with Ryan Reese. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. What's up, family? Good to be here on Saturday night. I got one of my good friends, in, well, one of my new good friends in studio, Cynthia Garrett Ministries, um, and uh, Roger. How you doing, sir? Her husband. Great. Good to see you guys. So, Good to see you. <laughs> so thank you for coming in. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about you. And actually, I got to watch your story today. Mm. And wow, it was incredible. Mm. And I'll tell you this. You know, there was a lot of things that were coming off that stage when you were speaking at that church in Australia that really resonated with a lot of the things that we say on the show. Yeah. Um, you know, the identity of this, uh, this it's, there's an identity crisis in the world, and I believe that you do have a major heart to to speak into not not only men's and women's lives, but you really want to focus on on impacting the women. Yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting, Ryan. I I think that the the greatest journey of my life has been the one to my identity in Christ. And, you know, my my first book is called Prodigal Daughter, A Journey Home to Identity, Mm -hmm. because I think the reason, you know, we can all get lost in the world easily enough, but there's this sort of focused attack, I think, on identity from the day that we're born. And if you're not careful, you end up at sort of adulthood being this person who has no idea really and truly of, you know, who you are, what you were created for, Mm -hmm. why God created you, what purpose you have for being alive. And, you know, the enemy jumps on the back of that. And all of a sudden, a whole lot of statements and phrases and behavior begins to define your identity. And none of it has anything to do with God. Things that are said over you, situations you encounter as you're growing up, all these things start building up these walls. Oh, yeah. Words are powerful. You know, I love that you mentioned things that are said over you. Yeah. I mean, I I often say to people, you know, you've got to erase the soundtrack of your life that other people have given you. You know, the songs sung over you, the words spoken over you, the even the projections, you know, that people have even well-meaning parents can sometimes, you know, shape your identity in the wrong way. You know, it, it, hey, you, you know, you are such a bad kid or, oh, my gosh, it's so st- stupid when you do that or these words. And I mean, you know, from people who love us, they're powerful. Words are powerful. Yeah. No, they are. There's, I mean, I was just out of high school this couple of days ago talking to this girl and she was just saying how how she she's so sad because people are talking about her in school and she's part of this Bible club and these are fellow Christians and they should love. And, but because of these words that have been spoken over her, she's like totally wants to quit the club. She wants to leave the school, just powerful words. And then she starts living in this identity yeah. because these things, so words are super powerful. You know, your story is super amazing and gnarly. <laughs> so I want to get into it because we, ha- you have a lot okay. to, to talk about. So now where, where exactly did you grow up? Well, I grew up mostly here in, in, in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was born in San Francisco. Um, and then by high school, 
Mm-hmm. We were living here. We lived we lived in the Bahamas for a while when I was a young girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur, so his business pursuits took us a lot of places. But by high school, um, my parents had gotten a divorce, and we were living here in Los Angeles. I was going to high school here. Yeah. Now, you said that your dad, I think, has light skin or your mom? No, my mom. Your my mom. mom's my mom's is um, – from New Orleans. New Orleans. She's half Creole and half Italian. Creole. So she's real fair. Yeah. Okay. She can, I mean, she's got a little bit of black in her. Uh-huh. It's funny. She doesn't Wait, look Creole's it. like French, right? Uh, yeah. Creole is like French, French and Spanish and a little bit of black usually um, from down that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then her mother was full-blooded Italian, Sicilian. Okay, okay. So I'm actually fluent in Italian. Okay. <laughs> is that crazy? Uh, and, th- and then your dad, where is he from? My dad was from Texas, mm-hmm. half black, half Native American, half Cherokee Indian, okay. actually. And um, his mom, my grandmother, died in childbirth. Um, my dad was a, a, an amazing character, um, lived an amazing life. You know, we were kind of talking about that a little bit before the before we started with all of you guys out there listening to yeah. <laughs> You were saying you were your uh, daddy's girl when you were growing up. Yeah, I was, actually. You know, my I was always my father's kind of... His little sidekick, you know, I liked hanging out with my dad. My dad was a big dreamer. He taught me to dream big, you know, and, and he, he also taught me never to be a victim. You know, he, 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 uh, one of the greatest lessons my father ever gave me, which it makes sense when you understand the context of who my dad was. My dad um, became the first black man in America to ever own banks, and he did that in the early 60s by disguising himself as a chauffeur. Um, or a janitor to get into his own board meetings. And then he would use my mom's white face or the faces of a couple of his friends who worked with him in sort of uh, being the front, kind of the faces of these banks. There were actually seven white banks and savings and loans in the state of Texas that he bought in the early 60s when there was still hardcore segregation That's in the radical. South. radical, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, blacks couldn't even drink out of the same water fountains or ride in the front of the bus at that point. Unbelievable. Yeah, and, but my mom and dad had this crazy, amazing life. They marched on Washington with Martin Luther King together. And, and um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. There's, there's um, a couple of I, – I just found out some interesting information recently about a movie being made unauthorized <laughs> about my dad. So – yeah, I may be back here another time to talk about that. Dude, that that to... movie will be pretty insane. Now, your dad did. Your dad gave you. He gave you two uh, quotes, and I wrote them down. He said something. Um, you never become the victim. Mm-hmm. T- talk about that. Wow. He's well. You know, before my father died, I, I I spent I spent the last few years of my dad's life with him, um, asking questions. You know, identity search. Who am I, Dad? Who are you? You know, what was your life about? And so I asked him, really and truly, I asked him, what, what's the meaning of life? You know, and he said, well, you know, life is about people, honey. Mm-hmm. You need people. You can't do anything without people. And then I asked him at that point in the year 2000 before my father died, I had gotten my first big show on NBC, and it was called Later with Cynthia Garrett. And um, I became the first woman of color to ever have a network late-night show. And so I was feeling a lot of um, – a lot of pulls, a lot of pressure, you know, I, I, and also I wanted to represent well. I, what does that mean, you know? So I remember asking my dad, like, you know, Dad, what do I do with this platform? Like, what am I supposed to be? What do you think about black people in America today, you know, and himself being a black man who'd done so much, an African-American man? Yeah. Um, and uh, my father said to me, he goes, you know what, baby girl? He said, 
the one thing you have to do is is not he said you got to you got to not play victim ever. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, life is going to be filled with things that go wrong and bad things. And he said, and this is where people of color often make a mistake. He said, you know, mm-hmm. you can't stretch out the negative narrative. He said, you know, at some point life is going to deal you a harm. Take your hand, be upset, kick, stomp your feet, get it out of your system, but do it for about 20 minutes because after 20 minutes, you're a dang fool because that's just life. You got to take the hand that you get and you got to play it and you got to play the best hand you can. <laughs> I, I, you know, I love that part when he said 20 minutes, just go yeah. deal with it and then move on. Move on. You see a lot of people that um, life is crazy. It's, 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 a, it's a roller coaster. There's a bunch of ups and downs, you know. Amazing success and then failures. Yeah. You know, that's just that's just life. And that's these are these things that happen to you that show you who you are and, and make you and you know, even with following God that makes you that spiritual giant. God tests our faith through these different situations like it talks about in James. But um there's a lot I, I would see a lot of people nowadays and probably forever is they get caught up and they get hung up in in their, their past and they, they become uh, the victim. How how did um how's that applied to your life growing up in situations that you hit? Because I know that you ran into some situations of you being at your house and, and uh, yeah. getting sexually molested or. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, I was, <laughs> this is part, part of the, part of the drama that surrounds the movie being made about my dad's life yeah. now is that the, the relative who sexually molested my sister and I both Dang. repeatedly for years um, kind of ran off and ran rogue with um uh, the rights to my dad's story against without any authorization from the family. And it's, it's like a whole thing. I'm like, wait a minute. In the age of Me Too, does the does the child molester get to profit? That's yeah. not right. Like, you know, Hollywood's got to – they have to be accountable for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it, it's crazy because I went through my childhood, and if it weren't for the fact that Jesus used to talk to me as a little girl after this would happen to me – I, I I think I would have lost my mind because I literally yeah. I mean I knew God was real from the from day one because I literally would I'd lay there crying at night you know God why is why is this happening to me yeah and I as early as I could remember I remember the Lord saying to me it's spiritual warfare the bad things the bad spirits are going to try to kill your good spirit and that was years before I would have any theology to go with that statement I want you to explain what that is because there's there's a lot of like high school students that are listening. And they just got introduced to Jesus maybe at a high school recently. Yeah. And they just had the good news of the cross. But they don't understand this, but this could be some situations that they're going through. Oh, Matt, this is Ephesians. You know, this is an mm-hmm. understanding that uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities mm-hmm. and spiritual forces. And the way that we win is to put on the armor of God, right? So I love that Paul, when he's talking about the armor of God— literally what he does is he dresses a Roman soldier. You know, we put on, but for us, we put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, you know, the sword of our spirit is the, is the spoken word of God. Mm -hmm. You know, for years when, you know, when, after I was sexually abused as a child, I got raped as a teenage girl. Um, So by the time I hit my twenties, I had horrible self-esteem and, and, you know, I was abusing myself in a lot of ways because I felt un- unloved, unworthy of love. I, I, you know, I just didn't feel 
any sense of identity, really. Would, would uh, like depression, suicide, or like cutting or anything like that? or it Never went through cutting, probably just because I didn't know what it was. What it was, yeah. I was coming up. But, True. you know, I, I mean, certainly I began to understand that there was some war that was going on against my spirit yeah. by about that point. And so I began, God, by the time I guess I got into high school, college, you know, after college really got bad, you know, you start experimenting with drugs, you know, you start and then you you start feeling like, oh, I can numb the voices in my head. Right. With the drugs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can kill the pain. You know, if I have another drink, if I if I smoke this or if I snort that, you know, and then what happens is you fall into a group of people and everyone around you is doing it and thinks it's cool. So it's socially acceptable. So, you know, you, you can you can lose years of your life and you can really numb those voices for a long time. But what happens is, and what happened with me is wherever you go, there you are. The voices don't really stop. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, no matter how high you go, you, you you can't get high enough to escape the fact that you're probably just in a lot of pain. And I would like to add something to that. Um, me being going through those kind of situations as far as getting into the drugs and alcohol, you lose your identity through that. Mm-hmm. When you think you're finding yourself in a sense, if you're like, oh, we're going to do LSD or, oh, we're going to, we're going to raves and doing these things. And I'm finding myself, you lose yourself of who you were created to be through that process. So if you're already trying to deal with these issues from like your, your life, you know, that, you know, so, these things that you're going through and then you add all this stuff, you're just, you're just losing it. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, by the time I, I ran off uh, when I was in my early 20s, you mm-hmm. know, I, I mean, by the time I got to my early 20s, I was just, you know, I, I had graduated law school, mm-hmm. gra- you know, graduated college. On the outside, everything looked so bright and rosy, but on the inside, it was just dark and yeah. I was hurting and I didn't know what to do with the reality of really and truly what was my sexual abuse. It was haunting me yeah. and um, causing me to act out in a lot of ways with guys, you know, so you think the drugs, oh, it's helping me. You know, I'm hanging out with my friends and I'm cool and everybody's doing it and it's okay. But in reality, I felt so lonely. And it's funny, I just said to someone recently, I used to be surrounded by a thousand people and felt so alone, so alone yeah. you know. And 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 I I wanted help and I didn't even know that what I wanted was Jesus, you know. And I I started to, you know, kind of further medicate with relationships you know, I, how did you do? How did you, if you were sexually abused, how did you continue to sleep with guys, or how did you separate all that? Oh man, I think well for me, and this is what the world kind of does to you, you. You know, the secular lie is yeah. that, it, and it's the big lie for girls today. Mm-hmm. Like you're the one in control mm-hmm. and you're cool. So if you're the one picking and choosing who yep. you sleep with and you say yes, and then it's not anyone forcing me anymore. So I was the one in control. Well, in reality, what are you in control of? You're in control of further damaging yourself. Mm-hmm. Like there's no logic in it, yeah. you know, but you, you be, you believe this lie. But also women aren't really created like that. Also, it's like, I've, I've heard, I've heard they said, you know, every time they would sleep with someone, you know, you could talk to any girl on the planet. Every time you sleep with someone, it seems like they take a piece of completely of your heart. Completely. So the whole lie that the enemy, back to those words and the stuff that you're hearing off music, you know, all these lies are through social media and lyrics and all this stuff. You know, songs go just go get yours and that's it. Oh, 
yeah. But what's happening is it's it's you're not in control. Oh, I was listening to this song today because um, I'm in the middle of writing a script, and so I'm like, awesome. you know, I'm and, and the character she's <clears throat> a, she's a young girl who thinks the world is just so cool, and she just has such a lust for the world and all the things that the world tells her is cool, and she's going to actually discover that what's cool about her is the depth that she has because she's been rooted in Christ and has a firm foundation and an understanding of right and wrong. But so I'm like researching stuff today. Right. So I, I asked my son, I said, what's a song that <laughs> I'm like, asked my 26 year old son, what's a song that like young girls would be listening to today that you think is selling them the lie of the world. And he's like, Oh, seven rings, Ariana Grande. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm listening to this song and I'm like, Oh my goodness. That's it. I want it. I got it. I take it. If I see it, it's mine. I buy it. I like if I want to sleep with it, I I, I yeah. use it. I, I'm like, wait a minute. Are you kidding me? Like, what kind of lies are we prepackaging? And, and, and it's just going into their heads and it's just brainwashing yeah, people the lyrics. Guys, you know what I mean? Guys, it's crazy. Yeah. Girls, yeah. sisters, hear me. You're giving away pieces of yourself. And then you're on social media and you're like, oh, so I'm, I'm going to. Not say names, but so and so is half naked here. Oh, okay, that's what you got to do. This is what's hot. This is what pe- this is what everyone wants. This is this is the standard, right? You know what I mean? I mean, you're basically giving yourself away completely. Just half naked on social media. It's like complete identity crisis. Completely. That's your value. Your value is you basically in a g string and topless in in on Instagram. Right. That's your value, right? That's crazy. And if and and that's and look and the reality is. Guys don't marry a picture. And because men are visual, you know, I always say men fall in love with women they're attracted to. Mm-hmm. This is how they were wired. But women become attracted to men that they fall in love with. Now, imagine the wreckage Satan can do with that. So women are hardwired to fall in love when we give our body to somebody. Yep. I, right or wrong. So no matter what girls say, I, no matter what I said, no matter how cool I could act after the act, uh-huh. I still felt like I'd given a piece of myself away. Mm-hmm. And you feel like less and less and less. And, you know, so guys, men, guys exploit that. You know, I, I love it when girls say to me, well, you know, I don't want to submit to a guy and blah, 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 blah. You know, and, and when you're talking about marriage or these kinds of things. And I'm like, well. Why would you submit to a guy that isn't submitted to the Lord? Because a guy who's submitted to the Lord isn't going to be trying to sleep with you anyway. He's going to be trying to honor God and make sure he keeps his hands off God's daughter because that's God's girl. And unless God says that's my wife Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to wife you, I shouldn't be touching you. But no, but girls today don't. You know, I love look, I love talking about purity. And I know. Talk about it. I mean, I, I do because. Because my life got, I, I had so much junk thrown on me, mm-hmm. you know, and, but I never, I don't blame even my sexual abuse for, for the, there was brokenness there. Yeah. And then I began to make choices mm-hmm. and sure the enemy is fueling those choices yeah. and I would eventually run off and marry the wrong guy and end up in a nightmare situation. I got saved in prison because well, I married the wrong really guy. Quick, let's talk about this. Cause so this guy that you met, he was, he looked like he looked good on paper, right? Oh, he just looked good. Oh, just good. <laughs> That's it. There okay. was no on paper. He just looked good. A model. <laughs> he was. And I'd never, you know, I was fresh out of school. I'd never dated anybody like that. But my college boyfriend, who I was engaged to, yep. cheated on me. Mm-hmm. You know, my heart was broken. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I, I, 
I rebounded. I went looking for love in all the wrong places, trying to deal with the pain of my breakup and the pain of my sexual abuse. And I arrived to my mid-20s, and I, I, I mean, I just didn't know who I was. Now, is this the guy, the uh, Italian guy? Yeah. Or, okay. He was half Italian and half Serbian. Br- break this down, the story a little bit. They need to hear about oh, this. Oh, God. So I, 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 in a moment of boredom one night, my brother goes to the recording studio. I'm, I'm supposed to meet him for dinner. He ends up working late. I get bored. I go to a grocery store to... You know, to buy some stuff to make dinner. And just for the record, your your brother's Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, yeah. Austin, yes. they don't know. Yeah, that's cool. For the record. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, and so I'm I'm in the grocery store. I notice a couple of guys trailing me around the grocery store. All of my warning signals go off, and I just kind of try to pay and get out of the store. And um, the guy follows me to the car, gives me his phone number on a piece of paper, and is like, "Hey, you know, we're just going to meet for coffee, me and a bunch of friends. If you want to come out and join us, I just saw you. I thought I'd talk to you. Blah blah blah. You know, whatever the line was." And um, I went home, and to be honest with you, a few hours later, because we weren't—I wasn't meeting my brother for dinner. Lenny and I weren't going to hang, mm-hmm. so I was like, "Well, I'm bored. I'll go meet this guy." Well. I end up going to meet this guy, and I'm in a relationship with him in 24 hours. You know, it's just insta-relationship, you know. And and um, there were no boundaries for me in terms of, of even sex. It was like I was really secularized in my thinking. By yeah, that. Well, most people think that, you know, you just get together and have sex immediately. I mean, that's that's what I used to think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. normal. Yeah, exactly. But that's not what God's called you to. No, it's not. And, you know— that behavior for me cost me a pretty penny because um, I ended up, you know, knowing this guy and being together with him for like a month in Los Angeles. Then he left to go to Europe because he was a quote unquote model. Mm-hmm. Now, I should have put together a lot of things. There were a lot of things that weren't adding up, but I didn't because I was in love blinds you. Yeah. Love blinds you. Lust. 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 Crippled. L- L- yeah. 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 <laughs> lust. Yeah. Lust. I, yeah. Yeah. I've been caught up in. Lust. lust, yeah, lust blinds you completely. Mm-hmm. No, I like to say love blinds you, lust cripples it you. It does cripple you. Yeah, you can't do anything. No, you don't. It's think. true. You're not thinking. No. You're thinking with the wrong part of your anatomy, and yep. your brain turns off, and all of a sudden, you know, you make stupid decisions like run off and marry a guy you've known two and a half months. You know, you run to. I ran to Paris, got married, convinced my family that it was going to be like a really cool thing to do. And the next thing I know, I find out that the guy that I married has an assumed identity and is trafficking cocaine in the car on our honeymoon. You know, I take the car, run off on the side of the road, throw everything out of the car while he's off meeting somebody. He comes back to the hotel room, literally tries to kill me, and I'm trying to call for help. You know, in this hotel room, no one speaks English. I'm in Italy at yeah. that point. Yeah. I mean, it was an explosion. So, so yes. No, this is a huge explosion. So this is my question. Was he, like, moving, like, big dollars of cocaine? I mean, what, did he – was he using you for – or was it – I think he married well, me for a, a passport eventually. I think he For a figured, U.S. passport to go in and yeah, out? Yeah. Okay. I, he, he, it turned out uh, over the course of – you know, I, I ended up being arrested with him because – the police who were following him in Italy, mm-hmm. apparently he was part – they had been following him and expecting yeah. him. And when they see me, 
throw, you know, I'm there's this erratic girl throwing drugs out of the they don't Oh know yeah, because they're watching you. Yeah, they're watching. So he <laughs> I throw the stuff outside this is of the a movie. car. To, yeah, totally, right? <laughs> um you got you guys the prodigal daughter, a journey home to identity. Yeah. You gotta you gotta just buy the book because <laughs> I'm making a long story short. Yeah, yeah. But I know I am. Where where do they find the book? Is they uh, Amazon. Amazon perfect. Amazon.com. Okay, yeah, Amazon.com. But um <laughs> I I mean we're we're surrounded by police. Like he comes to get me in the hotel room, you know, kind of knocks me around and then takes me out on the road to find his drugs. It was a kilo of cocaine oh in these leather packages, takes me out on the road to find his drugs. And the police show up and we're surrounded by armed military police in in Italy. That was the beginning of the nightmare. honeymoon. Yeah, the honeymoon. OK, on so honeymoon. day so, 10, by the way, of of being married. OK, sounds pretty exciting marriage. Um, so then you get, end up locked up. Locked up. Yeah, I end up locked up. I, I end up actually in prison for three months. And by it was crazy. But I got to tell you, everything I was looking for, I found in that prison, which was essentially freedom in Jesus Christ. Um, my third night uh, being locked up, I was heavily sedated. You know, they started kind of doping me up because I went into shock and I was locked up in isolation. Oh, okay. Yeah, just to like keep you chill. Yeah, keep me chill. Um, but on night number three, I went to sleep. I had asked for a pen and I was writing on the backs of napkins. Um, you know, I, I graduated law school the year before all of this happened at USC. Can you believe that? So, all that? Yeah. And then now here you are. Yeah. You must have been tripping. Oh, I was. That's I why was. you were in shock. I was none of my none of my Beverly Hills High School or USC Law School pedigree meant anything. Nothing. Nothing. At this point. Nothing. Playing field level, I'm in jail in Italy. <laughs> And I remember just thinking, well, God, if this is where it ends, I just need you to, sh- to speak to me. I don't even know what my faith is about. So I got a question. So did you have faith growing up when you were young? Was it in the in the house at all? I, you know, some roots to it. Catholic school. Catholic, okay, Catholic school. Mom, all right, yeah, that's my, enough. Yeah, my mom knew one thing to send us to Catholic school, okay. so that we'd have roots. Yeah, and um, you know, she's it's the Italian in her. She's a Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. you know, good Catholic girl, and uh, made all the seven sacraments. And but none of that mattered in that prison cell. And I, I realized there, like. I didn't even know God. Like I used to talk to him as a little girl and he would get me through the sexual abuse. And I, I always carried him with me. Yeah. But I just he was in there inside of me in a lot of pain. And the, the boyfriend that broke my heart, we were kind of starting to seek the Lord together. So when he broke my heart, my relationship with Jesus, You're went like, forget with the that. Boyfriend. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So girls. Make your own relationship, relationship with Christ. Don't wrap it up in a guy because they are not one in the same. And if there's a guy out there who has introduced you to the Lord, take the introduction and make it into a lifelong commitment. But the guy may or may not be the one that's for the Lord to dictate. That's true. He might, God might just use him to introduce you. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Because this guy's parents who broke my heart, mm. they discipled me. After this whole marriage blew, blew up and I end up in prison and I I, I I get released because I'm pregnant, that was the miracle that saved my life. Really? Yeah. I ended up finding well, out I was okay. pregnant when oh I was God. in prison. Yeah. Wow. And so um, his parents discipled me. Like, it's crazy. You know, God had a whole other plan going. But, but I, I got to tell you, you know, where I really, where I had my encounter with Christ in all of this, on day three, I'm locked up. I go to sleep. I have a dream. And... In this dream, an an angel appears to me on a cloud. She's dressed all in white like a nun with big blue eyes. 
first thing I notice is she looks exactly like my grandmother. Hmm. My grandma had brown hair and big blue eyes, the Italian. Yeah. And I'm like, it's so cinematic, this dream. It, and and, and I, I always tell people, I don't even know if it was an open heaven. I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. I, I All I know is it was as real to me vision, as you are. A vision, a dream. Are. Yeah. And sh- so she has something in her hands. It's a book. And she holds it out to me. And she says, do you know what this is? And I said, no. And I look at the book and it says good news on it. And she goes, this is God's word. He's going to send it to you. I'm going to bring it. And if you read it, he'll save you and it'll change your life. And I, in this dream, I'm just like, Grandma? Like I, So I, I, I drift back to sleep. I get a knock on my cell door. I'm day three. I've been locked up. I don't know if anybody knows I'm alive or dead because I, you know, I spend – I mean, I'm, I'm married now to a crazy man and I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I get a knock on the door, on my cell door, and this woman who, who – Mariucha, Senora Mariucha, she ran the women's side of the prison, the brigadier – she knocks on the door and she gets the girl from the cell next door, Rita, who I would later find out was in prison with her sister for robbing a bank. They got seven years. They're in the cell next door. Eventually, she and I would become friends because she wanted to learn English and I needed to learn Italian fluently. So with the help of the English-Italian dictionary that they brought to my cell door that morning, I would teach her English with by using the lyrics to Beatles songs and she would teach me Italian. She loved the Beatles. So... Um, the two of them come to my cell door and they basically translate with the the, diction, the English-Italian dictionary that there's a, a, a woman who's coming to see me. So as they say this, I look to my left and walking down the hall, this corridor in this prison, is this little lady. She's dressed all in white from head to toe. She has big blue eyes and looks exactly like my grandmother. All right. Hold that <laughs> thought because we're, we're going to break in all a right. few seconds. <laughs> this is great. So check this out. Cynthia is actually going to be doing a conference in San Clemente on May 11th at 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's at Vista Del Mar School in San Clemente. Um, you could go to www.ester-rising.com to get more information. Um, is this thing free or does it cost? It costs. Yep. And um, you can also get information at CynthiaGarrett.org. CynthiaGarrett.org for more information. It's going down May 11th, 9 a.m. to 6 Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop-de-doo. Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I warn you. We are back in studio with Cynthia Garrett, and the first half has been insane. If you want to catch the, this past show, you could download the Whosoever's app and get it there or on YouTube. But the first half has been crazy. So check this out, Cynthia. Right before the break, you were talking about you had this dream. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were locked up in jail. Your, your boyfriend, actually your husband at this time, yeah, um, was a drug smuggler. You had no idea. Yeah, you're in Italy. The the cops chase you down. You end up locked up on your tenth day. Yeah, of your honeymoon. Yep. I don't suggest this for you listeners. Yeah. No, but uh, then you have a dream, and uh, you pray to God you have a dream, and you see this. Uh, well, say what Angel. you saw. Day three, um, I'm locked up. I go to sleep that night, begging God to reveal Himself to me. Yeah. You know, like God, and, and it was sad because I was, I really, I was like, you know what, Lord, I don't even know how to pray. 
Like you're like the best friend that I don't even talk to. Like yeah. I don't know you. And if I'm going to be here for 25 years, which is what they were telling me at the time, um, then I need to know you. If this is where my life is going to end, I want to know you. That's all I wanted. And how, I, how long were you facing? Um, tw- 25 to 27 years. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I, yeah. So you're just like, this, this could be it. Yeah. And, I, you know, I run off and marry a guy you don't know and wake up in a nightmare. And yeah, you might end up in some gnarlier stuff than that. But it's crazy, you know. So I go to sleep that night. Um, I have a dream. And in that dream, I was saying before the break, this woman appears to me and she looks like an angel. So I'm like, okay, I'll go with that. It's an angel. But she was dressed all in white like a nun. Mm-hmm. But I figured that's Catholic school. And you have Catholic backgrounds, though, because you went to Catholic school yeah. your whole life. So Jesus speaks to people yeah. in the way they can relate. Right. Totally. Yeah. And she's like appears on this cloud. I'm very visual and cinematic. So yeah. it was very visual and cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. She's got this book. She holds out a book to me. I look at the book. It says good news on it. And she says, do you know what this is? This is God's word. And if you read it, when he sends it to you, it's going to change your life and he's going to save you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I in the dream, I'm crying and I'm interfacing with this woman who looks just like my grandmother, by the way, who was Italian. And I drift off to sleep. I wake up in the morning. Um, The woman who runs the woman's side of the prison and the girl from the cell next door have come over and they have this English-Italian dictionary and there's like, someone's coming to see you. And so as they're translating this to me, walking down the hall comes the person who's coming to see me. And I look and it's this little woman who's dressed all in white with these big blue eyes and looks just like my grandmother and just like the angel from the dream. And when she approaches me, she holds out her hand and she pulls her hand from under her, her nun's habit, right? Yeah. She's uh, a nun. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, she holds out a book to me and she says in Italian, do you know what this is? This is God's word. He sent it to you. I'm bringing it to you. And if you read it, he'll save you and it'll change your life. And I look at the book oh, in her hand goodness. and it says the good news Bible. And I flipped out. I just flipped, flipped. And I, needless to say, got on the top bunk in isolation in that cell. And I spent every day reading it from cover to cover from page one. I didn't know how to read. I didn't know where to start. So I started at Matthew from page one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and I went all the way through the book of Revelation and God became alive to me for the first time in my life. And where where was the point that you were like, all right, Jesus, forgive me and come into my life. Or were you just reading the Bible? Or, or oh, how, in, what was the moment when you were like, okay, I'm his daughter? The the well, the moment that I I that this happened and I passed out. I mean, I literally fainted. Oh, you fa- oh you fainted? Oh, yeah, they picked me up off the floor. I was crying. I I was just. I mean, I, yeah. God sent the angel from my dream with yeah. the with the Bible. Like, yeah, yeah. It was so out there to me, and I I never felt more loved. Yeah. You know, like he sees me. Yeah. You know, it, it's like when someone has a word, a prophetic yeah. word for you or something, it's like, like God sees me. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. He sees me, knows me. Mm-hmm. And then as I read the Bible, I realized he really knows me and mm-hmm. his plans for me are good. And he 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 has a whole life for me and 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 hope and a foundation and all these things that we read about. But it's true. And the more that I realized it was true, the more I began to understand that my identity from day one really was as his daughter. Mm -hmm. And that's why all the things that didn't make sense, the sexual abuse, me being raped as a teenage girl, the emotional brokenness and the pain that I was in, 
all of it made sense. When you start to realize that you're God's son or daughter, you begin to understand that the things that do come against you are quite possibly the enemy attacking you to keep you from understanding how important the calling on your life is. Because we're all called for a plan and a purpose. And there's only one of you and there's only ever going to be one of you. And God has a a, a mission for you individually. And that's every person. Yeah. Amen. Every person. There's glory in your story. You know, that's the thing. We all have a story. And there is, if we give God our mess, I always say he loves to take our messes and make a message, you know, because Mm -hmm. for me, I realize that the power of this story and my testimony, God now uses for me in my life today, every tool, everything I've been through, every experience I've had is like a tool in my, in, in a toolbox. And when I'm preaching and sharing the gospel, which we are created for fellowship and to to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, we are created for that. We're created to live as a son or a daughter. We're created for all these promises and and we're created to impact the world mm-hmm. and to change the atmosphere when we walk in a room and to shift cultures and environments mm-hmm. and it's like we're, there's so much inside of us, so much power because of Jesus Christ living in us and being alive in us. And we often, it's those negative words we were talking about at the beginning. Yep. We listen to the negative words instead of listening to the promises and the and the words of God yep. over our life. And we've got to begin to substitute those for the other ones. And the only way you're going to know what God says about you is to dig into that book you were talking about. The good, It's called the good news. It's the Bible, the Holy Bible. Yeah. The good news is the DNA of Jesus Christ. It's the yeah. Bible. And as we read that, it's like I'm a skater. So if I don't read the magazines or I don't know the tricks or I don't skateboard, I'm a poser. And in the same way, us as Christians or musicians, you know, yep. or if you if you write films or whatever, if you're say you're a film, you know, a script writer or whatever, but you don't write, right. you're posing to be something. In the same way, Christians, um, if we give our life to Christ, we need to read the Bible so we know what we believe and we know what God says about us and who we are in Christ. If not, right. you can't just give your life to God and then not not seek him. Yeah. You know, yeah. and not know what he says about you because if you don't know what he says about you, then you're going to fall for the lies of all the garbage that people have said about you and what the culture says who you are and what you should be. Yeah. That's the whole defining that's that's where you find your identity. That's the real fake news. Hello? Yeah, exactly. That is the real fake news. It's like I'm telling you, man, it's like for me getting to know myself and what God thought about me mm-hmm. was just I mean it was life altering. Yeah. It changed my life. And and honestly, there's this other level of, you know, I came back from that experience. I was there two years fighting to get home from Italy and mm-hmm. ended up having to escape from the country. And then it was 10 years before I ended up getting a full absolution from Silvio Berlusconi, who's the former president of mm-hmm. Italy. Like crazy story. Yeah. But when I look at my life today, I realize like I came back. God blessed me with all these things childhood dreams I had. You know, I wanted to work on TV. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be famous. I wanted famous friends. I wanted to do all this stuff. And and in a certain sense, there was a point in the middle of all of that where I realized like God had given me this really cool car, but I put him in the back seat again. Mm-hmm. And I would sort of look behind me every now and then and go, thank you for the blessings, God. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me my own TV shows. Thank you for giving me all this stuff. Okay, here we go. And I was about to hit 
you know, run the car into a wall again. And I started feeling like, okay, wait a minute, Lord, you saved me for way more than this. And success can never fill the void that you filled in that prison cell in Italy. So there was a point where I got on my face and I counted the cost and I counted it all as loss. All I wanted was the excellencies of knowing Christ. And I surrendered. And I love to say that there are a whole lot of people listening who are saved but not surrendered. Yep. And we live in a country. Jesus is in the back seat. Yeah. A lot. And we live in a country that's really put Jesus in the back seat. And guys, if you don't wake up and pay attention, Jesus isn't even going to be in the car at all. And we've got to stop being Sunday Christians. Mm -hmm. We're not made for Sunday Christianity. We're made for lifestyle surrendered Christianity. And that's the only place that you get the promises of God. That's it. That's where the power is. Like you can't straddle the fence. You know, if you got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, all you have is a pain in the groin. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> it ain't, it ain't, it ain't uh, going to work. It's true. Got to get off the fence. Yep. You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, I, I've, I've talked, I don't know who I was talking to the other day, but I was just talking about how there's a lot of Christians that say they're, they're Christians, but then you look at their life and they're still doing the same stuff they've been doing for the when they first gave their life to the Lord, and they're six years later, and they're like, and then they wonder, well, I don't know, if God's not really working in my life. I'm like, dude, there's been like no surrender. Jesus says to head to the cross. Right. Deny yourself in Lucas's daily. Pick up your cross and follow me. It's not about the the body appetites. It's about surrendering. Every day, am I going to wake up and am I going to surrender to God? Surrender the body appetites, and the more you surrender, the blessings come. God wants to bless you. Yeah, He does. You know, He wants to bless you in all aspects with relationships. You know, when you say blessings, people like to think money or something. You know, he could bless you with money, too. That's awesome, too. But he blesses you in so many different ways. You were saying how, like, you know, from a young age, you've always wanted to do these great things. You know, you want to do scripts and television and brands and all these things. God put those desires in your heart when you were young, just like every listener. Yeah. God knit you together in your mother's womb. He created you with these desires. But as you give your life to him and you surrender, that's when he's going to give you those hearts, desires and more. Yeah. I always thought, oh, man, I, I got the life. I'm managing the number one skateboard team in the world. I'm working with the biggest rock and, 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 and hip-hop bands on the planet. What would God do with my life? If, if I give my life to him, I'm going to lose all this. Dude, I surrendered, and I'm doing way more than I ever have. Amen. But it, it comes down to a daily heading to the cross. So true. It's, I, I, can I tell you, I walked away from my career in Hollywood mm-hmm. for a season and I didn't I figured it was going to be forever because I I you know God brought restoration into my life mm-hmm. years after all of this in the form of a husband mm-hmm. and a and a father for the son that I became that I got pregnant with from my first marriage mm-hmm. and I mean, the fact that's a whole other miracle. The fact that I gave birth in the midst of this craziness and three months in jail and two years under house arrest. And that that still blows my mind because my son, he I mean, he shouldn't have survived. I was I had so much pollution in my body from the drugs that I had done prior and so much abuse from this man that I ran off with and so much stress and drama that. My body tried to abort when I was in that prison cell. I mean, literally, I started bleeding, and God was talking to me on the pages of the Bible saying, I've got this. You will have this child. And I stayed in bed bed for like three months. I mean, the whole time I was there. It's just a crazy story. But years later, when God brought a husband, you know. Yeah, let's talk about that. We have 14 minutes left, and I know— 
there's some details we need to go over. Yeah. <laughs> Since yeah. he's in the studio. Yeah. My testimony is in the studio. So, okay, so all that to say, and then God starts restoring you. Yeah. You're digging into the word. Yeah. You're finding out who you are in Christ, and it's so much more freedom. You're not caught up in the bondage of the lies and... It's just freedom, huh? Freedom. Yeah. Freedom. Complete, free- complete freedom. And listen, when you can feel complete freedom in a prison cell more than you've ever felt in your life. You know it's God. You know <laughs> it's God. You know it's God. And when I surrendered, it yeah. was like, it's scary sometimes to surrender. I hear it for people out there because you don't know what your life is going to look like. Yeah. So like along comes a, a man of God. Yeah. And I'm like, and he's like, let's get married. And I have no idea how to be in a sec in a in a, in a Christian, Christian marriage? I mean, I I just don't know. I don't have any grid for it. My parents got divorced when I was a kid. Yeah. Here I was. I was divorced. If my marriage was ever even a marriage, and you know, it's like what what stood out to him, like or stood out from him. Like how'd you know his? Like, how'd you know this guy was a real legit Christian dude? Because I could talk to him about the deep things of Christ, and that blew my mind. And all I wanted at that point in my life, after full surrender, was to know and be fully immersed in my relationship with God. That was right. it. And so I could ask him questions and he was able to answer my questions and teach me things about mm-hmm. Christ. Right. He wasn't a Sunday Christian. No, not at all. Roger, the real deal. Tra- Roger Charles is the real deal. I actually know him. Yeah. Listeners. And he is the real deal. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. He's faithful. It's funny how we met that. It is funny. It's funny how we met. Yeah. What, what, and, and, and I guess, we, so, Honey. Well, we actually met. Wait, oh, pull the mic up to your mouth. Um, we actually met because of Cynthia's son, Christian. Really? Wait, so I was He's talking to him. He's the one that introduced you to me. So, oh, that's that right. That's how we prison. met. He saw the I Am Second film that I did, the short yeah. film of my testimony. And he's like, uh, you Ryan? And I said, yeah. Huh. And that, that's that's. And he goes, you got to meet my dad. That's right. And that's my that's baby right. from that crazy first marriage that, that I got cra- pregnant with. Dude, unbelievable. Yeah. He saved my life. The only reason I was released from that prison cell is because it turned out I was pregnant. Yeah. That was the God, miracle. God's, yeah. God's grace. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I was that woman saved in childbirth. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I know it's a kind of a, a loose interpretation, but for me, it's really real. Oh, God, God used that. Yeah. And so Roger ended up coming into my life. And I I knew after everything I'd been through and that by that point, I'm a single mom and my son is 14. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to ever let a guy mess this up. This is my miracle baby. Yeah. And it it was only because Roger was a real special man of God Mm -hmm. that could be the role model that I would want for my son. And we dated for four years celibate. You know, I didn't have that testimony, but I have it now. That is hardcore. Yeah, yeah. Four you know, years. He stood with me. I had a lot of inner healing to go through. Yep. I had to break off all those paradigms. Like I was, you know, I grew up and learned how to be a girl on Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. That's not right, girls. Like if you want to be a wife, if you want a husband, you got to be the wife. You know, you got to like you have to be the person you want to attract. And so I needed a lot of healing work, and I needed for God to change a lot of my paradigms. And so he walked it out with me for four years, and we walked it out celibate because I had tried it my way long enough. So I was like, I think I'm going to try it God's way. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'm going to see how this works. And um, if you want it, then you should have put a ring on it. Like, there's a reason why girls, like, get so crazy about that song. It's because, girls, it's true. Mm. We're queens. We're daughters of a king. And he won't— 
He wants the best. He wants the whole fairy tale for us. And so God restored my home and gave my son a father. And we, through that child and my husband, I found myself in ministry. You know, it started when my son went to college and I walked away from my career and was like, I just want to teach the gospel. Yeah. That's it. I want to teach young people the gospel. I, I want to, I love young people. I like hanging out with kids. I just yeah. want to teach them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I love it. I like the way you're delivering it too. Um, there has to be a whole army of new generation of people rising up and, and speaking the truth um, and not sugar, sugarcoating it because that's not, that, that's, that, that's why there's so many, no, that's why kids aren't coming to church yeah. because there's no connection you know, oh, our youth group kids aren't going there. Bull, you want to bet? Go read the Barna Group uh, book. Is Gen Z? If you want to know what's really going on in your youth, go start talking about these certain issues, and you're going to notice that every kid in your youth group is going through one thing or another. We have to come direct, in love, and let them know. Hey, guess what? Struggles you're going through, we've been through them, and you're not alone. Yeah. And uh, there has to be a whole army of, of people rising up to reach this, this next uh, generation and empower them and introduce them to that call that God's called them for, the Great Commission. Our mission is the Great Commission. Once you find out that Great Commission, it's great, believe me, and your whole life will transform. I want, I want to hit you up on a quote that you said that on your uh, study I watched, or your testimony. You were talking about how there's a lot of these young girls. You know, Me and my wife were talking about this too. A lot of young girls you see in the church like, I want to get married, I want to get married. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. I lo- <laughs> I love it. I-, I like to say that read Proverbs 31. Yeah. Figure out how to be that girl. Mm-hmm. Be happy by yourself and on your own, delighting yourself in the Lord, and then he can give you the desire of your heart. Because, you know, I think it's most that that I want to be I want I want to be married. I want to be married. And I I mean, I find myself looking at a lot of these young girls saying that and I'm like, well, what about you? Should a guy marry? Mm-hmm. Like, are you ready to be married? What do you contribute? You know, what do you add? And, and there, you know, two halves don't make a whole. We know this. You want to have a whole guy and a whole you and, and then you have a whole union and the two of you become one. But it, it, it amazes me how many young Christian girls have this longing to be married. And it, it kind of makes me, makes me pause because I'm like, okay, what are you running from? What are you not dealing with? Because you don't need to long after being married. You just need to be comfortable growing and being you, the you God created you to be. And then the right guy is going to come alongside that. And you're going to realize that the two of you make a more powerful unit together, Mm -hmm. but you don't need each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, nothing should be born of need. You need Jesus. Yes. That even goes, yes. And that even goes for uh, a lot of people that are, dealing with all kinds of junk in their life and they're like, oh, I just want to get married. Well, you're going to bring all that junk into your marriage. And same, and it goes with guys as well. Same thing. You know, I'm just want to get married. But then you look at their life things that are going on. You're like, if you, and and those kind of, the same people kind of attract each other as well. (laughs) There's many situations that I can tell you right now, people that are in this, they have the same junk going on in their life. No one's happy. There's a bunch of, they're hopeless alcoholics, all the stuff, and they're they're dating and they want to get married and all this stuff. And yeah. you're like, are you kidding me? You just want the bomb to, bl- like, that's right. what's going to go off. Like, this is not going to work. What you just said, you need Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, let him come in. 
Let the torrents of living water start manifesting in your life, removing all that stuff in your life. He'll show you who you are, and then he'll bring that Mr. Wrong, Mr. Wrong, Mr. Right or Mrs. Right in his time. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you If not, you're just attracting what you are. Yeah, I mean, that's I what attra- I was looking for. Yeah. I, yeah, I attracted a whole lot of what I was for a long time, and it was all a broken wreck, you know? Mm-hmm. And sure, I mean... You know, even the guy that I ran off and married, who, I, who could have predicted that I would wake up in that nightmare married to someone with a complete assumed thought. identity. Yeah. But, yeah. but I was selling myself short and taking my life for granted and, you know, really and truly trying to numb too much pain with drugs and alcohol yeah. to pay attention to the fact that I was jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire. Yeah. And so it's about getting present. With the Lord, mm-hmm. I guess just get yourself clear and present with the Lord. We have four minutes left. So what would you say to the listeners right now? How do they get present and clear with the Lord? What would you suggest? Man, just want it. You know, if you if you if you feel cloudy or you feel like you're searching for things in the wrong places or you feel unfulfilled, you know, like you're in a lot of relationships that aren't going anywhere. I think all you really have to do is stop even now, even now, and just say, God, I want to know you. You know, I, I, I surrender. Jesus, I, I hear what these guys are talking about. And if and, and, and won't you just accept me? You know, come into my life. Take over, take over my life. Come into my heart. You know, teach me to think and get a Bible. Man, you know, you guys, I, I, I read the Good News Bible. What is the Good News Bible? It was, I call it the Bible for third graders. I need it. Yeah, because because God, if it were for King James, I'd never be saved. I know. You know, know. God wants us to understand what he has to say. I like the New Living Translation personally. Amen. I I got it like a fourth grade relive anyway. So get a Bible, get to know the word, get some friends who love Jesus, Mm -hmm. get into a church, find any church, you know, call Mm -hmm. into Ryan's show, do something, Mm -hmm. but get yourself aligned with people you know are truly walking out the word of God every day and go all the way in halfway will get you nowhere you want all the promises go all the way in yeah it's important too because the people that you're hanging out with you know the direction you're going by the people you're hanging out with so true. that's that's the bottom line i mean you, you could tell by looking around who you're hanging out with what direction your life's gonna be going and that's for you guys let's just think about it i mean all my friends are still my friends but i've surrounded myself with people that love God and that want to do great things in life. And we all inspire each other. It's like we all get together and we talk about ideas and we want to do things and we do things. But, um, and that's, that's, that's what you need to do is you need to give your life to God. And it's so, this is awesome because it's Easter tomorrow. And what did Jesus do? He came on a rescue mission out of eternity to die for the sins of the world from anyone. So whosoever, anyone from bums, the presidents that would believe in him, by faith that he died on the cross and he raised from the third day shall live. I mean, Jesus Christ split time in half. We had uh, before the death of Christ and after the death of Christ. He existed. He came. He died. He raised from the dead. And tomorrow we celebrate the resurrection. And this is how you're going to know he's real. You ask for forgiveness. Ask him to send his Holy Spirit. And he's going to encounter you with his presence right near where you're at. So just do it. It's that simple. Whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You could do it today, right now. Any last words? Tomorrow's Easter. That's crazy. Yeah. It is. So my last words, you know, honestly, I could take the last second and ask you guys to 
please support me at yeah. Cynthia Garrett Ministries. Yeah. Um, Esther Rising is, a, is the movement that I feel is a mandate on my life to call forth the Esther calling in young yeah. women. Yeah. You are special. You are unique. And this is our time. Yep. You know, women, w- secular women are stepping into position. Godly women need to step into position. The doors are open and we need to be the ones leading a generation of young women for Christ because that's where the truth is and that's where that's where we will change our nation. And so um yeah, just in closing, plug your plug your website so they can find out about your conferences. Okay, cynthiagarrett.org, c y n t h i a g a r r e t t or you can check out esther-rising.com. I love you guys. I love you. Guys. Thank you. Thank you. We love you guys. We'll talk to you guys uh, next Saturday. Peace. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.